This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. What does Baba having Baba in my dream mean? It means Baba came to see you. That's what it means. You know, they say that uh, we human beings cannot create the form of a saint, even in our dreams. Just as we can't find a saint, even on this plane, they find us or they bring us to them. So when we meet them in a dream or see them in a dream, they have come to see us. They, that's darshan. They've come to give us darshan. And it's always a blessing. Uh, we may not understand it either in the dream or when we wake up, but that doesn't matter. It's still a blessing, a visitation from a great being. I understand that Maharaji had three children. Can you speak to how it may be possible for a being to have children and not have attachment? Uh, Well, uh, our attachment for our children and our loved ones and the people close to us is based on the fact that we believe that we are separate beings. And... We need to keep those separate people close to us. But a great saint does not see separate beings, even his own children. He recognizes the souls that have incarnated as those people through his physicality, so to speak. But he also, he always sees God everywhere all the time. The one God, not little pieces of God. God everywhere, all the time. And he knows who is somebody like Maharaji. He would know who his children have been, why they took birth as his children, what karmic, uh, they call it, uh, what are they, what karmic knots they had to repay to each other based on their other incarnations. 
so uh, that's why a great being is not attached because he has real love, not emotional love, not physical love, but real love. He sees the soul of that being and he knows that his soul is not different. It's not knowing here, it's experiencing it directly. That's why words don't do much because uh, they don't they they can't describe what's indescribable so it wasn't like maharaji pushed them away or felt uh, far from them in fact it's the opposite he felt so at one with them that there is no attachment to the separate the separate being and someone like maharaji who knows the past and the future knows who they were, who they're going to be, and why they had to be where they were at that moment. In fact, it's funny you ask that question because just two days ago, Maharaji's youngest son, Dharam Narayan, left the body in India from a combination of COVID and kidney failure two or three days ago. And we knew him for many, many years. The first time I met him, was when a, this group of Westerners, Ramdas and I and others, had quickly rushed to India after Maharaji left the body to be a part of the ceremonies that were going on. <clears throat> and I was in Brindavan and walking down the street with some people, and somebody pointed and said, see, that's Maharaji's son in that car. We didn't know he had son. He had son, a two sons and a daughter. So I went up to him and I pranamed and he looked at me and said, you people were his real children, meaning us devotees. You people were his real children. As his physical child, he, they didn't have, they didn't know him as a saint. They knew him as their father. And so they related to him that way. So, very different relationship they had. Yeah, so. But that's the deal. You understand why there's no attachment there, because reality is what a saint lives in. Attachments are delusion. Based on the delusionary belief that we are separate from each other. But once again, you don't push people away. That's not the idea of it. Detachment. Detachment is when you have real love, you're not attached to separate beings because you're at one with their soul, so to speak, with their true nature. Very different. So it's real love, not, not coldness in any way. You see the medicine Buddha on the shelf behind me. Uh, that was given to me by a lama as a blessing. And no, I do not have a specific practice for medicine Buddha, the Tibetan practice, Buddha of healing. What are some? What are the main differences you and Ramdas had on your thoughts about romantic relationships in spiritual life? You remember me touching on this a few weeks ago. Uh, I don't know. 
I don't know that either one of us have any philosophy about it. We just bumble along and do the best we can uh, in any situation that arises. But I never listened to him <laughs> when he gave advice about relationships. He was always wrong as far as I was concerned. I could never believe anything he said about relationships. He would always say, see the other person as God. You know, I said, bullshit, you know, give me a fucking break. I can't do that. I mean, that's not the way I, I that's not in my, he was always up-leveling, you know. He didn't see people as God all the time, believe me, you know. In the last year or two, he ripened to such an extent and opened to such an extent that I believe he was really in a very different place. But that's just the last couple of three years of his life. So he talked, he talked the talk, but he didn't walk the walk until... Uh, he talked to talk, but, uh, but as time went on, he walked the walk more and more deeply. One time in Maui, he was upset about something. I guess. I went to the, on Mondays, we used to go to the beach and Ramdas would go in the water. So this one Monday when I was there, I was late getting to the beach. And as I was walking to the beach, I saw him sitting in a car by himself in the parking lot. The door was open. He was just sitting there like this. So I walked over and I, and I just kind of knelt down, you know, there outside the car. I just sat there. And he was just like. And after, after a minute or two, he looks over at me and he says, we're fakes. We're fakes. Me and him, he was saying, we're fakes. I'm a fake, you're a fake. So I looked at him and I said, yeah, we're fakes, but we're real fakes. And he burst out laughing. It was great. And I knew what he was talking about. He and me and so many, we get caught in our stuff. And when we're caught in our stuff, we can't believe that We have a hard time trusting the goodness in us when we're stuck in our self-hatred and our self-judgments. And he wasn't completely free of that. Maybe at the end he was, but he, every once in a while he would dip into that place, you know, just like everybody else. His greatness was that he didn't stay there very long. And when he wasn't caught, he really was. But he was always honest about that. And that was the other beautiful thing, the other great thing. He was very honest about what he went through, what he was going through. He didn't pretend much. Early on, he was hoping. But by the end, he was just locked in so beautifully. That's my opinion. Others might have other opinions. You want to hear, somebody wants to hear a story about Maharaji. Well, there's one story that comes to mind right away. 
<clears throat> Ramdas had come to India on his second trip after accompanying Swami Muktananda on his world tour. They met in America and went all around the world. And from Australia, they came back to India. And then, Mahar- then Ramdas left Muk- Swami Muktananda at his place his, in Ganeshpuri and came up north to find Maharaji. But Maharaji wasn't around, so uh, he came to Bodh Gaya, where the other Westerners were, and that's when we did all those meditation courses. So, you're going to find it hard to believe this, but this really happened. So, Ramdas had promised Swami Muktananda that he would go on a yatra with him in southern India. And he told Maharaji that, and he wanted to get out of it. But Maharaji said, no, you promised you have to go. Maharaji was only too happy to jow people, to send people away. So he sent Ramdas off, and of course he sent me and Rameshwaras, Dwarkanath and Danny off with uh, with Ramdas. I was driving the car, the, the Volkswagen bus mostly. We all took turns driving. So Maharaji said to us as we were leaving that he would meet us in Brindavan. Now Brindavan, we had to go to Delhi first, I think, and then we were heading south from there to meet Swami Muktananda. So... Um, On our way south, we stopped in Brindavan, and we're kind of hoping Maharaj would be there so we wouldn't have to go on this long trip, but he wasn't there. So we proceeded down south, and we had a great time, went on this pilgrimage with Swami Muktananda, and then we were heading back up north, and we're heading to Brindavan and hoping Maharaj would be there. So... We got close to Brindavan, but it was very late at night. And so about 10 miles, 10 kilometers from Brindavan is Krishna's birthplace. And there's a Dharmasala there. So that night, we spent that night in the Dharmasala. And in the morning, we got up and we're going to drive to the temple. And if Maharaji wasn't there, we were going to have to go to Delhi and try to get some leads as to where he might be from some of the devotees there that we knew. So I was driving. And for some reason, even though I knew the way, I missed the turn to the temple. You you were coming up the road and you had to make a right turn on the Parikrama Marg, the the road that that goes around Brindavan. It's it's Parikram Road. Parikrama is circumnabulation and many pilgrims do that every day part of the sadhana so for some reason I missed the turn and as a result we got stuck in the bazaar and we had to drive through the bazaar with the cows and the carts and the people and the shops and crazy so it took us an extra 20 minutes to get back to get to the temple 
because I missed that turn. So we get to the temple. It's deserted. It's, there's nobody. We walk in. There's nobody. We see the pujari. He's like the only one there. The, the pujari who does the worship at the, at the Hanuman temple. And we said, Baba, have you seen Maharaji? No, he hasn't been here for months. We have no idea where he is. We were devastated. I mean, there we are, you know, we have no clue where he is. He could be anywhere in India. There's no cell phones. There's no nothing. We don't know what to do. How will we find him? So we left the temple. We get into the car. I'm driving. I take the ignition. I put the key in the ignition, and I'm just about to turn the key when this little Fiat screeches to a halt right next to our car and the, and we look out the window and Maharaji gets out of the passenger seat and he walk he, he he's this far away from us and he gets out of the car and he walk turns and walks into the temple he doesn't even look at us He, he, it was, our minds just stopped. It was just like, we just, and we scrambled out of the car and we ran to the temple. And uh, <clears throat> we had a great few days with him, a really great few days. So a lot of things happened during that visit. A lot of things. That was, a, that was when Maharaji uh, <coughs> Mahar took the acid for the second time. You know, Ramdas had given him acid the first time, and this was the second time. He, uh, he, it's a long story, but let me finish this part of the story. So we had a great time, and then Maharaji sent us somewhere and said he would meet us, I guess, up in the hills at Kenchi after some time. Something like that. I can't remember what happened. Many years later, I mean many years later, like 10 or 15 years later, one of Maharaj's really old devotees, Gurudat Sharma, I was hanging out with him somewhere, and he said to me, you remember that I was with Maharaj that night, that day when we met you in Vrindavan? And the truth is, I barely remembered it. He said, he told me that the night before, they had been in some town like Kampur or Lucknow, which was many hours away by, by car, driving, many hours. And in the middle of the night, Maharaji came into the room where the devotees were sleeping in somebody's house in the big room. And he tried to wake Gurudat up, but Gurudat didn't wake up. So Maharaji picked Gurudat up and put him over his shoulder. He carried him out of the house and put him in the back seat of a car. And then Maharaji and the driver and Gurudat in the back seat take off driving in the middle of the night. So Gurudat woke up at some point and found himself in the car. And, you know, that was fine. He was with Maharaji. So he just, they, 
And Gurudas said, they drove. Maharaji kept saying, go faster, go faster. And they drove and drove through the night. And just outside of Vrindavan, just outside, all of a sudden Maharaji said, stop, pull over. So the driver pulls over. And Gurudas thought maybe this is a P-stop. But Maharaji just sat in the car. Nobody moved. And after 20 minutes, Maharaji says, okay, let's go fast. Go, go, go. And so they took off again. That stop was the 20 minutes that we got lost in the bazaar because I missed the turn. Hello? <laughs> he timed it. He actually timed it to reach there at our moment of greatest despair. Just before we, I was going to turn the key in the ignition and drive off into the unknown. He timed it. I mean, come on. It's so mind-blowing. This is the way he, he played. This is what he did. He played. This is Leela. It was amazing. Just extraordinary. I mean, and of course, I didn't know that part of the story for many years, but even just the way the car arrived just at the minute, that was so amazing. I can't tell you. We, are, are, we were just... Stunned, our minds were blown. If we were ripe enough spiritually, one act like that by Maharaji would be enough to destroy the mind. Just one. Like the bus story, you know, the bus, we took the bus from Bodh Gaya. You must know that story. We, we were all in Bodh Gaya, Ramdas, myself, Ramesh, uh, Dwarkanath, Jagannath, so many people, so many of us were there. And we took like five or six courses in a row, 10-day meditation courses. And then we decided that we wanted to try to go find Maharaji now. So there was a guy there with a huge Mercedes bus, really fancy, that he had driven across country, he had driven people to India. We didn't know at the time, but he was a hash smuggler. And after he dropped us off, he filled his bus with hash and drove back to Europe. But anyhow, so he offered us a ride back to Delhi from Bodh Gaya. Now, Ramdas was completely centered on getting to Delhi and finding Maharaji because he hadn't seen him since his first visit. And he'd been in India now already another couple of months, at least, I guess. And, uh, really wanted to find him. We all wanted to find him. But at some point during all these courses, Danny, Danny Goldman, Jagannathas, had taken a trip to see the Kumbha Mela, or the Mela, in Allahabad. And, you know, where there had been 20 million pilgrims and by the banks of the Ganga and the Yamuna. And it was like an amazing scene. So as we were taking off from Bodh Gaya, we started discussing whether we should because it was right on the way to Delhi, just 
a little bit off the road, you know, like a few miles off the road. We were deciding whether we should take a break and and, and go see the Mela, you know, and because it's like amazing. So there was all this discussion about it. And Ramdas being the elder was really the one who was going to make the decision. But and he wanted to go to Delhi. But everybody else wanted to stop, you know, at the Mela. Just see it at least. So finally it was decided that we would go, we would take a look at the Mela, and then we would get back on the bus and, and try to get to Delhi by nighttime. We weren't going to stay in Allahabad. Okay, great. So we, we arrive at the Mela grounds, and we drive up to this huge empty field where two weeks before there had been 20 million people. There were a couple of stray dogs and maybe a couple of sadhus hanging around. That was it. Nobody. A band, empty. Nobody. So we all went, wow. All right, well, let's just go. And then Danny said, you know, there's a Hanuman temple on the other side, just on the, like, uh, on the other end of this field. Why don't we go see Hanuman? So the bus is making this long, slow turn around to go down to the Hanuman temple. And all of a sudden, Rameshwaras is looking out the window and he says, there's Maharaji. And sure enough, Maharaji and another man were walking in the opposite way that the bus was driving. They were just a few feet from us, walking this way while the bus was going that way. And later on, that gentleman who was with Maharaji said that as the bus was about to drive by Maharaji, he said, they've come. They've come. He didn't, once again, he didn't even look up. He didn't even stop. We got out of the bus and we ran running to him and he stopped and everybody was hysterical and crying and touching his feet and it was unbelievable. So then he said, okay, they got in a rickshaw, a little cycle rickshaw, the two of them, and they, they, had, they told us the bus to follow the rickshaw. So there's this little cycle rickshaw with these two Indian gentlemen in it, and behind it, this huge Mercedes shiny bus, silver bus following the rickshaw on these tiny little streets. And the rickshaw pulls up to a house and Maharaji and the, the, the gentleman who turned out to be Dada, Maharaji's great devotee Dada, get out of the rickshaw and walk into the house. And the bus pulls up and we kind of get out of the bus and we're standing like in the street and like, we think, okay, well, what now? What do we do? A woman comes out of the house and she says, come in, come in. Your food is ready. Come in, come in and have your food. And we said, there's 23 of us. I don't remember how many, 23, 24, 25. There's, there's, there's 20. He said, well, Maharaji got up that morning. He woke everybody up before he left the house. And he said, prepare, they'll be coming later, prepare food for 23 people. So who was deciding whether we'd go straight to Delhi or stop in Allahabad? We had this whole discussion about it and everybody was really into the, the whole 
It was very emotional. People were like, well, I wish it was shit. Everybody had their point of view. Who was making the decision? And why do I still think that I'm making decisions in my own life when I went through things like that? The veil is still very thick. But those are the kind of things that used to happen all the time. All the time. Somebody's asking me how I keep my throat dry. Uh, I keep my feet, my coat, throat lubricated when I sing. <clears throat> Sometimes I don't. You have to drink enough water. That's one thing. You have to drink more water than you think you can drink through the day. And I use Ricolas, which, uh, you know, like a, like a sugar kind of cough drop, something like that. Don't use one with too much menthol because menthol can dry your throat out. That's what I do. There's a bunch of things in India that they sell. Uh, I forget what they're called. But uh, Slippery Elm is good, and uh, lemon and honey are good, so that's all about that. Can we sing a, a song, can we chant the song with the intention to send love to India and all the people suffering there? Absolutely. You can do that anytime yourself. Chanting the names of God is the best thing you can do for anybody at any time. And you can, you can make it more, you can kind of direct the so-called merit or the virtue of doing this practice. You can offer it to others. That's, that's a practice that is very uh, well, a very big part of, of, uh, of Mahayana Buddhism, generating bodhicitta, which is uh, enlightened heart, open heart for all beings. But the actual chanting of the name itself is the best thing you could do for anybody at any time in, on one level. You can still feed people if they're hungry and help them if they're sick. But the chanting of the name is a very powerful practice. And, of course, you can, you can uh, offer your, uh, the merit of that practice, of your doing a practice, for the sake of all beings, for the sake of sick people, anybody. You can do that yourself. Um, I go back and forth between offering it to all beings or just offering it to Maharaji and saying, look, you know better than me. Take this and do with it whatever the best thing is. That's one 
one of the ways I look at it. Uh, so, yeah. And it doesn't have to be a big formal thing and, and like that. But, of course... Can you explain how to control our tears? No, I can't. Why do you want to control them anyway? Let them out. Let the eyes cry. Let the heart cry. Release all that whatever. There's so many reasons why we cry. Sometimes we cry when we get a little taste of real love because what else can you do? It's too beautiful. Sometimes we cry when we're sad. But there's no reason to control it. Let it out. Let it out. Go with it. What do I think of destroying the ego? Well, my ego will give you a very good answer on that. <laughs> Is it a useful, a helpful aim, or just another ego trip? Well... We, are in the, we, we live in the world of ego, the world of separateness. We believe that we are separate beings, that you are you and I'm me, and those are two different things. And based on that, we accumulate stuff to feed ourselves. We accumulate stuff, pleasurable things. We try to keep unhappy things away. We do things to protect ourselves and our, our immediate family, etc., etc., and uh, it's all based on the belief that we are all separate, that I am me and you are you. That's called relative reality. Now, to ask your ego to dissolve itself, that'll never work. Ramana Maharshi, one of the greatest saints that ever lived, he said, Asking the ego to kill the ego is like asking the thief to be the policeman. There'll be a lot of investigation, but no arrest will ever be made. The ego doesn't want to die. It's not even really a thing in itself, but let's, let's talk of it as a separate thing. It doesn't want to die. It keeps reinforcing its belief in itself. The things we do in the world all reinforce this belief that I'm me and you're you. And I want to be successful and I want to have this and I want to have that. And if you have something that I want, I'll take it from you. Or I'm going to try to get some for myself. It's all based on that me is the center of the universe. The most important thing. And what me wants, me has to get. And what me doesn't want, we push it away. So there's no button to push to make the ego go away. That's what spiritual practice is for. That's what it's about. The names that we chant are the names of our true being, which is not separate from everybody else, which is the same as everybody else. 
the essence within us is the same essence that's in everybody. What's looking out of my eyes right this moment is the same thing that's looking out of your eyes. We don't see that. We see only the objects that that sees, but we don't see the seer or the seeing. We just see the stuff. And we said, that's, that's the stuff and that's me. That's my stuff. So practices, spiritual practices are techniques that gradually rewire us, so to speak. And it can be very subtle. Spiritual practice can be used to uh, make the ego shinier and stronger and bigger. I'm really spiritual. I'm a very spiritual kind of guy, you know. Come, here, I'll teach you a few things. Bullshit. That's, you know, this is, this is one of the things that happens. The ego subverts our, our good intentions to, to release and to let go. I'm really good at letting go, you know. That's ridiculous. You're not letting go of anything. The only thing to be let go of is the, thing, the feeling that you are you. You are your stuff, and you don't see, experience the soul, so to speak. That's what practice is about. Once you move more deeply, and practice really starts to generate, uh, move us in the right direction, it changes the way we go through our day. It changes the way we feel about ourselves and life. Little by little, it changes our perspective. And this is, this is how ego is, uh, the belief in ego is, uh, is destroyed. Sri Ramakrishna said an incredible thing. He said that every repetition of one of these names carries potential, shakti, in the same way that a tiny little seed can, holds within it a huge oak tree, has the potential for that oak tree. So these names that we repeat have within them the potential for reality, for truth. And he said that every repetition of one of these names is like a seed that gets caught by the wind and blown, and it lands on the roof of an old house in the jungle. Ramakrishna lived from 1836 to 1886, so we're talking about that time period. And the houses had maybe had clay uh, shingles, but they weren't baked very well. They weren't baked, they were in, they're baked in the sun, usually. So he said the seeds of the repetition of the name get caught between the, the, the shingles. And over time and seasons and rain and wind and sun and everything, those shingles begin to soften. They get softer as time goes on. They break down. And then the seeds of the repetition of the name, all the repetitions that we've made, those seeds start to grow on the roof between the shingles. 
and the roots start to grow. And they grow and they grow and they wound up destroying the roof of the house. And they keep growing and they destroy the walls of the house. That house, Ramakrishna says, is our ego, who we think we are. And that ego is a temporary structure that was created from karma and desire and wanting. And when that when the walls or the, uh, when the sh- when that ego and the walls of that house are destroyed by the repetition of the name the space that was isolated inside the walls which was me which is what i thought is me that space is liberated just like the water from a river merges in the water of the ocean and disappears it doesn't disappear it just becomes one with the with the ocean so does that inner that space inside the house recognize that it's the same as the space outside the house which is everywhere and everything and is reality ultimate reality so that's how it works it's a result of practice not just in this life they say but life after life planting the seeds that will grow and destroy the belief in a separate self, small s self. So you do your practice and you live your life. You try to be a good person and treat people well and treat yourself well and you do your practice. You don't need to form a big identity about being a spiritual practitioner and start a a band and become a teacher and tell people what to do. Just be a good person and do your practice, do the practices that you know to do and plant those seeds. If you don't plant those seeds, then nothing's gonna happen. It's that simple. And if you're even inclined to plant these seeds, how rare is that in this world? How many people are interested in cultivating inner peace and inner strength and cultivating a way to become a good human being? It's not so easy and it's not so common. So... This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash be here now today 
to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. That's the deal.
Ah, 
namo bhagavate vasudevaya Om namo bhagavate vasudevaya Ah. Uh-huh. 
Shri Guru Charana Saraja Raja Nijamana Mukur Sudhar Varanara Gubbara Bimala Jasu Jodhaya Kupalachari Buddhina Tanajanike Sumiram Bhavan Kumasyara Balamudi Vidya Dehu Mohi Aru Kalesabhikar Syavara Ramachandha Padaje Sharana Jayanuman Jnana Gunasag Jekapisati Honloka Ujag Ramadutta Tulita Baladhan Anjani Putra Pavana Sutanam Mahavira Bikram Bajarangi Kumatindavar Sumati Kesangi Kanchanavarana Viraj Subesa Kanana Kundala Kunchita Kesa The Bajrora Dvajabiraji Ande Mujajane Usaji Shankara Suvana Kesari Nanda Teja Pratapa Mahajagabanda Vidyavana Guni Ati Chaturama Kaja Karibe Koatu Prabhu Charata Sunebe Korasiya Rama Lakana Sita Manabasiya Sukshma Rupa Darasiya Hindekala Kata Rupa Darlanka Jarala Ima Rupa Darasura Sari Nama Chandra Kekaj Sambari Aya Sanjeevana Lakana Jiyaya Shri Raghuvira Harshira Lai Raghupati Kinhi Bhotabharai Tumamama Priya Bharatai Samabhai Asabhadam Tumaroja Sagava Sakahi Shri Pati Kanta Lagava Kādhika Brahmādi Munīsa Ārada Shārada Sahita Ahīsa Yama Kumbhira Diga Pāla Jahante Kabhi Kobhidda Kāya Sākhe Kāhante Yama Upakāra Sugriva Inkīnha Rāma Milāya Rājya Padda Dīnha Tumaro Mantra Bibishana Mana Ankeshwara Bhai Sabha Jagajana Gasahasra Jyojana Parabhana Ilyotahima Durpalajana Prabhu Mudraka Milimukha Mahi Chaladilangi Gayachara Janahi Urgama Kaja Jagata Kejete Sugama Anugra Marete Te Ramadhuare Kumarakovare Otan 
राम जय राम जय जय राम 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 श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय राम जय बाबा हनुमान संकट मोचन कृपान दिया जय बाबा हनुमान करुणा सागर कृपान धाम राम सीताराम सीताराम जय सीताराम 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 जय 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 सीताराम राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय राम जय जय राम श्री राम जय If we know anything about a path at all, if we know there might be a way to live in this world in a good way, 
with an open heart, without fear. It's only because of the great beings that have gone before us on this path. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and that ease of heart at ease of heart, regardless of what comes to us in life. Namaste. Take good care. See you soon. Ram Ram. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BeHereNow today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P 
dot com slash be here now.